Great to see you today. Boy, I uh, was thinking last night, I just don't take lightly the privilege I have to consistently stand before this great crowd of people, this family, um, to really hear the Lord together and to awaken that. And um, we've been just praying and asking the Lord as we step into a very instrumental season, I believe, in the church and the body of Christ that we're discerning the way uh, that he's calling us to walk together. So, uh, so glad you're here. And we're going to step into some things this morning, I think, that the Lord is going to stir on a deep, deep level. Um, I, I do want to just encourage you right up front. This weekend is going to be a really important weekend for us as a church family. The spiritual DNA of our church is largely shaped at the, at, at the most formidable level from the type of gathering that we're going to be experiencing this Friday night and Saturday morning. Um, it's called Fuel the Fire. Steve and Esther are here from England. They'll be with us uh, in the course of the week for some different things we have planned. Friday night, he'll be speaking 7 p.m. And then Saturday morning, there's just something unique that the Lord's put in our hearts to lead everybody into. We've got lots of churches coming in. It's going to be a packed house. Um, but it's really not about that. It's about going deep. <laughs> And so uh, we're going to do something a little unique on Saturday morning, something that we've never done before, something I've never heard anybody say uh, to, to work at or to implement. But we just felt the Lord was giving us some very specific direction, and it's really remarkable. Our youngest daughter, Lexi, has recently just been having a flood of revelation from the Lord. Our, our devotion time as a family has just been overwhelmed by her telling all these things that God's been revealing. And if you know her story, that's really amazing. Because, like, she was the one of the family who was saying, you know, I don't know that I can ever hear God. And now she's hearing God so much, we're all like, man, we want to hear God like Alexi. Um, just beautiful watching her grow in that. But uh, one of the things that she said to us last week really struck me. And she said, the Lord spoke to me that when we come together for Feel the Fire, He is going to be speaking so profusely, people will not be able to write down fast enough what He's desiring to reveal. So come on, I believe that's going to take place. She didn't know what our Saturday morning plan was, um, but it's very aligning to actually exactly what she was saying. So uh, just be praying it, if you would, and... and and let's plan to step into that. It, it is a, it, there's a lot going. We have the Upples in from England. We have children's evangelists coming in from Springfield. So it's fuel the fire for us as adults and fuel the fire for kids in the other building. Because last year, the kids got such fire just out of the overflow from the parents. So we want to collaborate and coordinate. But all that to say, the pastors that are coming in, we're going to be trying to really invest in them, sow into them. Um, and, and we want to be efficient with that. You know, Tracy and I are hosting two families in our home, and that's going to help with hotel stuff. But, but I'm simply saying all that to say I want to invite you as a church family. We'll give everybody an opportunity in the weekend just to help give to this. But I want to invite you as a church family. Let's really purpose to sow into a kingdom-expanding effort because that comes back on us. How many know we are kingdom-expanding people? That's who he's called us to be. So don't just hear it, but if you would today, let's just give an, an offering um, toward Fuel the Fire to make sure we get all those bases covered. And this is our avenue to give. You can scan the code or, or give online or in a, a giving box. But uh, we really want to be a, bless, a blessing to uh, the Upples, and we want to make sure all bases are covered. And I know um, you guys are always so generous, and I just thank you for that. We really are making huge impact in so many ways. 
Uh, and I won't go into too much of that right now, but just thank you very much, and the Lord is mightily at work. Amen. So our prayer in this season is found in the New Living Translation, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I find myself praying it all the time without even thinking about it now. But I just want to say to you, Destiny family, God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The Bible says in Galatians 4.19 that he's forming Christ within you. God is working in you, giving you the desire. How many know God's at work in the deepest part of your desires? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And he is awakening his kingdom in our hearts and in our lives. And, um, and just be praying into this and, and give some consideration to this as we step into this next season. After Fuel the Fire, Steve will be here speaking next Sunday as well. Um, through after the whole weekend. We're going to put him to work while we got him here. Um, but following that week, we're going to step into a, a church-wide Bible study together on the book of Psalms. I've never heard anybody preach the Psalms uh, because it's just so vast, 150 chapters. But we are going to grow and become more like trees planted by rivers of living water who are fruitful in season and out and constantly giving life to the world around us. And so this is the season we're stepping into. It'll follow that Fuel the Fire weekend. And, and basically what we're going to do is 15 chapters a week. So that'll give you a, a reading assignment of two chapters a day. And that'll put you just about reading the book of Psalms through in the 10 weeks that we're going to take just to explore the segments of and the reason why this book is so important. I'm tempted to start sharing some of the stuff that I've been digging out. Uh, but I'll hold off because I know the Lord just in his timing is going to help us to go deeper, deeper, deeper. So it really is a great springboard today for us to talk about what it is to be the spiritually mature church. Um, would you agree with me that we live in a day where the church by and large is not necessarily very spiritually mature? In fact, what I... Uh, what I believe is the reality is the church of our day tends to drink from shallow streams rather than dig the deeper wells where the ancient revelation of eternity exists for us to actually explore that then comes up out of our lives. Spring up, oh well. And uh, that's to come out of us. But if we're never digging into that, then we're living our lives in these simple shallow streams and talking points become our focus and attraction becomes our emphasis. And there's a big difference between attracting a crowd and truly being spiritually mature. So a difference between attracting a crowd and maturing the church. And so turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 because I want to read some scripture out of... Um, this particular chapter today that's deeply challenging to me personally, deeply challenging to me um, pastorally, because it speaks of something that I will answer to God uh, for in days to come, uh, and that deals with largely my call and our call as an eldership, our elders that are here, our, our staff, pastors, leaders, community group leaders. This really is a commission that we find in Scripture it's a very tall order, and it, and it actually helps us see a, with great clarity the difference between just trying to be successful at gathering crowds of people in versus truly effectively maturing the church. And we have a great obligation and a great responsibility. So even in the way I'm about to read Scripture, 
I want us to always treat the public reading of Scripture like mature believers would treat the public reading of Scripture with the reality that we're releasing something in the, in the atmosphere by the public reading of God's Word. Tracy and I were traveling this place one time and we walked through the city square and there were these guys just standing there, uh, three of them, one of them had a Bible open just reading. And, and, and I, I was intrigued. I'm just, he wasn't preaching, he was just reading. And we watched for a little while, and then the next person stepped up, took the Bible, continued reading where he was left off. A lot of spiritual warfare. This happened to be in Scotland. It was just a lot, uh, um, very spiritually significant climate there, I feel like. And, and so I went up and just asked one of the guys not reading. I said, hey, um, let him know that I was a friend and not a foe, you know, there to be adversarial. I said, I'm a pastor from the U.S., and, and uh, just curious what this is about. And he said, oh, we just believe that there's something powerful that's released by the public reading of the Word of God. So we've committed to read Genesis through Revelation in this city square, in this community, declaring that the kingdom of God is going to invade this place and make a difference in the hearts and lives of these people. And I was just like, I'm in. I mean, it really challenged me. Like, here we are in the Western World Church where we flippantly read some verses so we can quickly get to my clever message. That's shallow. We don't need more of man's clever. We need more of God's power. I'm talking about the spiritually mature church. So, Father, would you bless your word and help us to understand the value of your word as we're doing something this morning that's been happening for generations, the gathering of God's people and the hunger for God's presence and the deepening and the reality of eternity through the reading of God's word. Let this just release something, Lord, in our community, in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, and in our legacy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to read from um, the Amplified. And this is just a robust explanation of the original text. It's a beautiful expression of Scripture. Um, very authentic uh, translation to read from the Amplified. It's not the best in the world, but it's just wonderful, and I'm really loving it more and more. So I just want you to understand, it'll be a little wordy maybe compared to your translation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. We have not stopped praying for you. Now think about this leaders, pastors, uh, community group leaders. This is our responsibility for those that God has entrusted to our care that we might steward the spiritual climate of their lives. We have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Lord, would you fill us with the knowledge of God's will today? Our prayers that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and in all spiritual wisdom, with insight into his purposes and in understanding of spiritual things so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord displaying admirable character moral courage and personal integrity <laughs> Lord would you help us to display in a day where this is these are bankrupt issues there's just such a bankruptcy of these issues in our world. Lord, help us to display admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity 
as we align ourselves with the truth of your word. That you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity to fully please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. And when we're talking his precepts, this is what we're talking about. Greater understanding of God's precious word that has the transforming power of heaven to transform our hearts and lives. We pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance. I just hear the Lord uh, highlighting this issue of endurance. I just want to release tenacity and endurance where opposition may be, have come against you. I say, let there be endurance in Jesus' mighty name. We will stop asking for easy and get in a fighter's frame of mind as we embrace tenacity and endurance and see Jesus rise up within us and more than conquer any and every circumstance any one of us would ever face. We pray, this that we pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy. This text goes on, this chapter is just so amazing because here's the deep challenge that I feel from the Lord and it's verse 28. It brings it a little more concise in the NIV. It says, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, here it is, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. God is not going to ask me, um, did you build a great empire? He's going to ask me, did you lead the people in such a way that you presented them fully mature in Christ what does that mean like there is a difference between attracting a crowd and maturing the church we're all on a journey just trying to find our way everybody is in a different place but let me just tell you God truly is transforming the Western world church specifically that he's given us a voice to speak into from a room full of shallow consumers who love listening to a speaker into a room of deep ministers who love listening to God. And we want to make room for that. I want to read scripture even in preparation for a message in the way that we just did where we're encountering God while we're reading his word. This is not about reading the book. It's about sitting with the author. This is what our devotion time should look like. We're making room, taking time, spending time with the Lord. I know some of you are so busy that you really don't have time to get into your devotion, really don't have time to read your Bible. You will never hear the voice of God. 
I know for a fact, if you don't spend time in the Word, you don't spend time in prayer, that I know for a fact you're not a person who hears the voice of the Lord. You're just not in that place of practicing. You, you understand I'm saying what I'm saying because I love you enough not to just let everybody dance through the shallow streams when we're really called to reach into these deeper wells. And this is the challenge today we're going to have to understand. This doesn't merely happen by gathering as the church. I have to be so careful because I've got some pastors now that are scared to let me talk to their churches because I'll make a statement like that. And it's like, what, you don't want us to come together as a church? No, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You need to come to church. We need to gather as a church. That's a part of what God's called us to do. It's just that there's so much more. We only gather as the church so we can be awakened and equipped as the church to go out and be the church everywhere we go, bringing God's presence to real life, walking in such a way. Come on, even carnal-minded King Saul begins to be awakened to the Spirit of God. You and I ought to be carrying God's presence in such a way. So what does this look like for us? And, and we're just asking the Lord to help us all the time know what this looks like. But what this means is, if we grow in maturity in our particular context, we become outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires, that's beautiful, and effectively disciple others to do the same. So we've been talking about these as five core ideas that we, principles that we focus on. But this year we started introducing the ten core practices. Because you can say you believe, but do you really believe? But you can't say you practice if you really don't practice. Like either do or don't. And I was really impressed. Uh, I got a message yesterday and I just loved it. Um, Seven-year-old Sage sent this uh, or drew this picture. Isaac and Kira are here. Seven-year-old Sage put this together, and uh, like she was just drawing, and this is, says me with her Bible and Jesus, and look at what she's written. Outrageously loving Sabbath and service. She's written our first core principle with our first two core practices. This is out of the heart of a seven-year-old in our church family that's learning what this really looks like. We want to make disciples on every level of life, folks. So we've been kind of tossing these past few weeks. I know the others have been speaking and been talking about the practices, but let's just take a quick look. Here are the practices. Sabbath and service first. We are outrageously loving people. We want to practice a Sabbath where we learn to rest and trust and enjoy God. And that's going to look different for everybody, but find a way to do that. Service is about secret service. Uh, unknown, unseen acts of love that you're every week purposing. Do something for someone and don't brag about it. Fasting, just taking time to move away from food, to press into something deeper than food in the natural. You're hungry for food in the spiritual. Scripture, this is about reading the Word of God. Turn the page, practice. We talk about often memorizing the Word of God, digging into the Word, praying the Word, just like I was walking through that a while ago, just praying those verses. We're going to actually talk about that this weekend. Simplicity and generosity. Uh, you get it. You know, calm down, simplify your life, and give stuff away. Just learn that as a lifestyle. Solitude, where I'm alone with God and I'm quiet before the Lord. Community, I'm making a connection as I draw into those relationships with others. And then the final, we come back again to this very important principle of Sabbath, the most neglected of the Ten Commandments that we read in the Bible 
because Christians today simply don't really practice the Sabbath by and large. So we're putting that in two times in their Sabbath, and table is again about community making a connection relationally with those around us. We need to come back to those over and over again and really evaluate, where am I in my practices of saying I follow Christ? Because if I follow Jesus, my life should actually look a little bit like his. Can I just get a witness? Like there should be some resemblances. And so the practices that we see in the life of Christ should become the practices in our own. And the deeper realities become uh, stirred you know, within us as we set those practices into motion. Here's the statement that you need to, to hear today. And, and man, can we just let this land on us. Nobody can grow spiritually for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to grow spiritually. You have to choose to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord. You alone are responsible to motivate yourself to pursue the heart of Jesus in a way that I can't preach you into, nobody can pray you into, can't have people around you that do it, and so you get credit. You've got to go there yourself. You alone are responsible for growing spiritually in your relationship with the Lord. So that's a part of why this weekend is so important, to awaken that pursuit. And so uh, i just reiterate one more time, uh, Friday night at 7, uh, we will actually be in here praying Friday at 9 a.m. for those of you who want to take off and be here uh, 9 to noon that Friday morning time. But Friday evening at 7, we're all going to gather and worship. Steve's going to bring an impartation. And then uh, Saturday morning from 9 to 1, we're just going to come in and really step into an atmosphere of awakening some of these practical pursuits in our relationship with the Lord. So if you've not registered for that, go ahead and do that. By the way, uh, you might put that up so they can see the scan code. But you, what you have to do is say, buy a ticket, but the tickets are free. <laughs> uh, it just You have to click that so that we have registration for everybody uh, for this weekend. So hopefully uh, you've had a chance to do that. If not, then if you could, it would help us just in preparing because we have things for every person showing up, uh, particularly for Saturday that we're wanting to make sure we put in your hand. I have learned over the course of time that it is my responsibility to present the most vibrant, inspired me to the world around me because I am choosing to be given to my pursuit of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I the same. All of us, this is our, our role, our responsibility. You are the leader of your five-foot circle. How many of you know you have a five-foot circle? Uh, you could stand up right now and just put your arms out and do this. This is your five-foot circle. Anybody that's within a five-foot circle of your life, you're the leader of the five-foot circle. And so understand that within your home, you're, you're impacting the atmosphere of your home. Within your workplace, you're impacting the atmosphere of your workplace. Within every grocery store you walk in, you're impacting the atmosphere of a grocery store. Every hospital you ever walk in, just declare, Lord, clear out an entire wing of people with a sudden burst of health and healing in Jesus' mighty name. I mean, just walk in an attitude of authority, asking God to help us grow in this and understand He's calling us to more than we've ever known or understood before as we're being awakened, just as we read in that book of, of Colossians, to greater spiritual insight, truer, uh, eternal uh, recognition and understanding of what the Lord's awakening within us, that we might be spiritually mature in Christ Jesus, carrying God's kingdom everywhere we go, bringing God's presence to real life. And again, you just have to realize 
carnal-minded King Saul got in the right atmosphere around those that were connecting and communing with God. And in that atmosphere, carnal-minded King Saul began to prophesy. Do you have anybody living in your home that's not serving the Lord? What could happen in their heart if you start walking and carrying the presence of God? Do you have anybody in your workplace and they're not serving God, maybe everything but serving God? What could happen in their heart if you start carrying the presence of God? Every, every restaurant you go into, every meal you have, every person that ever waits any table where you sit, do you understand you are dining with the king of kings? And if you'll start to carry that reality in your way of walking, then 1 John 2, 6, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You'll actually be a walking Jesus to your world everywhere you go. For us to understand what I'm talking about, we have to move from the idea of merely attending church to learning to be church. You can't go to church because you are the church. We want to gather as the church so we can go be the church. Everywhere we go, bringing God's presence to real life. Everywhere we go, we're the conduit where God's kingdom actually invades the world around us and pushes back darkness and breaks the spirit of deception in people's lives. You're going to find that people that are confused and, and under even demonic uh, distraction in their life, when you start having conversation with them, they start to see things with greater clarity. I know somebody that was having an ongoing conversation with somebody who was so totally deceived and the conversation kept bantering and they kept meeting and finally the person said to this, this individual, every time we talk together I can see it so clearly but when I leave and go on about my way I kind of get lost in the cloud of confusion and the believer who was in the situation told me, the Lord said to me I had to stop having an ongoing meeting with the person because if they're unwilling to repent they're just wasting my anointing to see clearly but not willing to make a decision to move more into what God has called them to do. Listen, you and I have a great responsibility to carry God's presence in such a way that something of God's kingdom is being released in the world around us. And when we see shepherd boys, we call them up to be the kings God has called them to become. We've got decisions to make, every single one of us. So here's the question, and this is where maybe the big challenge, I mentioned this actually to a pastor this last week, and he's asked, he said, you know, that really helps. Can you share that in a forum of pastors in a couple of months that we're going to be in? And I want to kind of lay this out for you that we might understand. As a mature church, there's this book called Critical Journey, and it speaks of the six stages of the, of the journey of faith. And it's just helpful to see this and the application of where I'm going with this today. But, but let me ask, how many of you ever felt stuck spiritually? Just raise your hand if you've ever felt stuck spiritually. And, and I want you to know there are a lot of, a lot of unchurched people, a lot of de-churched people, because coming to church didn't walk them through all of the stages of spiritual development. And this is, what, this is so important that you understand Church is not a religious commodity that we market and package well so that people will come and attend church and get their spiritual needs met. That's what we've done in making church a business in the society in which you and I live. 
And when we do that, we only help with these first three stages of the spiritual journey, and we totally neglect the final three. I know guys involved in church growth mindset and their language to the staff that they lead is Sunday is Super Bowl. Sunday is Super Bowl. We got to get it charged up. We got to get it hyped up. We got to get people there. Sunday is Super Bowl. Be on your best. Be at the top of your game. Sunday is Super Bowl. If, if every Sunday gathering is Super Bowl, then we are over-promising and under-delivering and the church will be underdeveloped and overstimulated, and we're never going to see the church rise up and be spiritually mature. So here are the six stages as it laid out. The first one is this encounter with God. It all begins with an encounter with God. Salvation, spiritual awakening, suddenly I'm aware of something I wasn't aware of. That's the first step in these six stages. This, the second one is the basic introduction of how to seek God. We get in devotion, spend time in prayer. This is what we do, just to know the Lord. Number three is this productive Christian life. Serve somewhere, lead somewhere, get involved somewhere. So awakening, basic principles, and then leadership. This becomes the commodity of the Western world church. We need everybody to get saved. I agree. We need everybody to have devotions. I agree. We need everybody to be involved. I agree. But if you stop there, you're just going to leave people very unfulfilled. They're going to become the unchurched, de-churched, post-modern, post-Christian society is moving toward this because we don't know in the Western world church how to take, paper, take people to the deeper place beyond these shallow streams to the ancient wells God desires for them to drink from. God wants you to have more than this basic trilogy idea. So the fourth, journey, fourth part of the journey as, as described in this particular book speaks of the inward journey and just it's really talking about deep communion with God inward now how many of you are experiencing community with God right now in our gathering we are having community communion with God and in our worship man our worship was just phenomenal people on their face crying out to God everybody you know it was just a deep deep communion with God it was beautiful but that's not the deepest communion you are actually designed to experience with your God. There is a deeper place that you cannot find unless you get in a posture of solitude and quiet between you and God. Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places to pray. So this is a stage that the church can't give you. You have to be the church and go discover this by actually getting up earlier than you normally would be getting up. To, you know, don't just hit your alarm, jump up, rush off. you got to get through the day. You lose your mind. You're not calming down. You're not pausing in a place, in a posture of listening to the Lord. The next stage is the journey outward. And it's deep communion with God in community with others. Deep communion with God. How I many you know we're having deep communion with God in community in this room right now and online right now? We're experiencing this. 
But there's a deeper communion with God in the realm of community that moves us past the shoulder-to-shoulder gathering more to a face-to-face, heart-to-heart interaction where two are gathering in His presence, where we're confessing our faults one to another, praying for each other, and healing begins to break forth in our lives. I wish God would just do something in my life. You're going to have to confess some stuff to get free, and that is not going to change. That's the Word of God. I just want to come together and worship and and just get my church on and then go on about my day and come back. You're never going to go into these deep places of communion with God if you do that. And then you're going to blame the church and say, the church just isn't for me. There's a deeper place God's inviting you to go to. And church gathering like this is the springboard to help you get there. Not the end all of it all. The sixth stage speaks of a life of love and it's deep communion with God and sacrifice and suffering. And if I could just be so bold as to say, most people that are younger in life don't understand this stage. It's not until you're much older in life that you actually step into this place of deeply valuing love that's born from sacrifice and suffering. After you have been done wrong and you've chosen to bless those who curse you enough time, that rough edge that causes you to just produce a great reaction all the time starts to wear thin when you're surrendering to the nature of Christ. You can bless those who curse you. You can pray for those who mistreat you. And in doing so, you become more like Jesus than you could ever imagine possible. But it's only through the course of time of allowing yourself to be sanded down and buffed up and prepared to be more like who he's designed you to be. Over the course of years, the the person that actually gets to this sixth stage of development is the person who is like the embodiment of love. I heard a, a pastor talking about meeting Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible and and a number of incredible works. And he said it was his final hours of life, and he agreed to meet with some strategic leaders and pastors. And they go into the room, and he said, Eugene Peterson just began talking to us, and he said, he didn't say anything that none of us in the room, any of us in the room hadn't already read. We knew what he was saying. We'd heard the content before. It just wasn't about the content of his life. It was about the existence of his love because Jesus had been formed in him so deeply that something was coming out of him of an ancient well that was feeding us and causing us to want to be more like Jesus. That is God's desire for you and for me. Worship sermons, prayer teams, they can't take you there. Leading worship can't take you there. Leading the prayer team can't take you there. Leadership doesn't actually develop you. Leadership exposes you. Leadership is a healthy place for you to have a demand place on you, but you'll just crumble under your frustration because they said they would show up and they didn't show up. And, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. That's where you get exposed. Just how impatient I really am shows up the more I lead. How many of you heard money changes you? Money doesn't change you. Money reveals you. That's what money does. Leadership won't change you. Leadership will reveal you. That's what leadership will do. 
And God's wanting to define you from the inside so that he can put weight on you and you can carry something of substance of his kingdom in the world around you and not lose your mind every time something doesn't go your way. You become steady. You become stable. You become the man or the woman of God he designed you to be to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come on, help me today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to just go ahead and come. You've got a responsibility. I have a tremendous responsibility. Let's start there. I'm standing in front of you with a microphone strapped to my head. And you're listening to what I'm saying. I have a great responsibility before God Almighty. To awaken you to understand your responsibility before God Almighty. And the Bible makes it very clear. You know, the Israelites are going into a place of great promise. How many of you want the promise of God? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you down a little journey, and, and I'm not going uh, to be nice. I'm going to kind of smack you here, okay? We want the promises of God. We want the good things of God. Oh, I want the Lord to bless my life. I'm ready to be blessed. You, you understand, like, there's a price to pay in the kingdom of God. Man, don't you just love the resurrection power of Jesus? I just love the resurrection, but you cannot have a resurrection if you do not have a crucifixion. Somebody's got to die before they can live in the kingdom of God. I'm willing to pay a price. We have to be willing to pay a price if we're going to step into this. And the Israelites then are ready to go in and take the place of promise. And if, in Exodus chapter 6, and the Bible says this, I'll bring you into this land, this promise. I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you. Say those three words with me. As a possession. Let's say it. As a possession. God doesn't just give to you. He gives it to you as a possession. In other words, you're going to have to go in and fight for some of the stuff stuff God wants you to have. One of the greatest adversaries you're going to have to defeat is yourself. You will not possess what you do not pursue. You will not possess what you do not pursue. I'm going to read Psalms 1. Just a few verses of it as the foundation of the season that we're stepping in. I want you just to receive this. Here's your assignment. We're just going to take a few moments together and we're going to just listen. Because here's, I want to just ask you, what is God asking you to do with what he's revealing today? How many of you sense God's having a conversation with you personally? Just say amen real loud. (laughs) He's having a conversation. Like, what is it he's asking for you, from you, in this season? Because this is what he desires, that you walk in incredible blessing. As a possession. 
Psalms 1, 1 to 3, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Lord, awaken your word within us that we might know what it is to wake up in the morning having been dwelling on your word. On his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I'm going to ask you this week, because we are those who bring God's presence to real life everywhere we go, I want to ask you this week for your action point, your GP2RL, God's presence to real life action point, develop a plan, develop a plan for the week. Hopefully it will include being a part of Fuel the Fire this weekend, but develop a plan for the week to pursue God sacrificially and stick to the plan. And then here's, here's a biggie. Tell somebody you can trust who you know loves you enough to ask you about it later to inquire just how you did. So what is it that he's asking? What is it that he's asking? Would you just give a listen to that before we do anything else? Just posture yourself. Just maybe eyes closed, hearts open. This is a moment where you get the opportunity to encounter God intimately, listening to what he's desiring to reveal about that plan for you this week. Thank you for the treasure, Lord, of intimate connection with you in a moment where we devote sacred space to an intimate interaction with an eternal God who longs to awaken us to the deeper reality of eternity as our way of life. 
Help us to be the mature church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's all stand together if you would. And I sat in a little bit of a, a training session this morning. Pastor A.T. was conducting with our prayer team, and I just thought how blessed we are to have a team of people that are so hungry just to help us and pray us into uh, maybe some territory that God's desiring for us to explore. So I'm going to invite our prayer team, if you'll come, make your way up on both sides. We're going to take just a few moments in worship. And this is where we bring everything God's given to us, we bring it back to Him. It's great to receive what God's desiring for us to receive, but now we want to bring it back to Him. If you're here today and you say, there's some things in my life that I need to get right with God, then our prayer teams are available. You may, you may be here and not even know that you know what it is to walk with Jesus. If you've not believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, come on, today is the day to make the most important decision you can make on this planet. And our prayer teams are available to pray with you about that or anything at all that may be stirring in your heart. So as we just worship and take a few moments here, don't hesitate. You can find your way up to them and they'll uh, joyfully, gladly minister with you to you. And Father, we just thank you that you're mightily at work in all of our hearts and lives. By the volume of my voice, the fervor of my expression, I can sometimes sound like I have it more together than I actually do. And I just want to admit to you and confess in front of these wonderful people, Lord, I just want to walk with you. I want to do that more effectively tomorrow than I have done it yesterday in times past. Would you lead us, guide us, and direct us? Would you form Christ within us? I thank you that God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we just receive that now in Jesus' name. Come on with all of our heart. Let's press in just for a few moments of worship. Before we go, this is part of our assignment together as a family. Let's press in and just worship the Lord with all of our heart. And our prayer team's available if we can pray with you about anything at all.